What is up, everybody? Welcome to Sitting with Sean, episode number forty-three. That Messi, does that re- does that intro video sound like a late night talk show intro video? A little bit, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I I find myself at the end of <laughs> da, 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 you know just going at it every single time, every single time. Yeah. But today we have a really special guest. Today we have. Mezzy Atwood from Melbourne, Australia. How you doing, Mezzy? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me here. Well, thank you for for being on. I I really appreciate your willingness to be on and share your story, and uh, and I'm really excited to hear it. Uh, so, would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself? Um, sure. I'm Mezzy Atwood. I'm as I'm just repeating what you said now. I'm from <laughs> Melbourne. I am an actress, director, producer. Um, I own Mezzy Studios. I do a little bit of everything. You'll see me around the place, I guess. Nice, nice. Yeah, so um, you you had your fingers in the movie Smile, yeah? Yeah, I, I played a nurse, just an extra. But, you know, I was there. That movie was awesome. I, I, I'm i going to just have to say that movie was awesome. It threw me for a loop at the end. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> uh, I Look, I haven't seen the final product yet. I want to see. I, I, I was there and I've been busy. Yeah. Yeah, you have. You're a very busy woman. But yeah. I mean, I want to see it. But yeah, it's... um. I, I've heard that, you know, the response has been huge, has been so great from it. Yeah, there's not a lot of movies that get me like, oh, that, oh. And that movie definitely had me on like, oh, man, <laughs> what the yeah. hell just happened? Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, <laughs> what time is it in Melbourne right now? It's seven thirty-five a.m. So that's that's early. <laughs> it is, it is, but that's okay. That's okay. You got to do what you got to do for the U.S. Definitely, definitely. Um, I I used to live in Aust- or uh, sorry, not Australia. Wow, Alaska. Um, so I understand a bit of a time zone difference. I I interviewed somebody that was from Australia um, early on when I first started podcasting and. That time zone different was crazy. Now it's just like completely off the wall. Yeah. It's it's a bit nuts. Like I'm quite often have to, you know, get up at 4.30 to talk to someone in America or stay up until, you know, 2 a.m. for a meeting or something like that. So. Goodness. <laughs> Goodness. That's insane. Um, what is the weather like in Australia? Like I, I, I've heard, I've heard mixed different things. I guess that's where you live. Well, yeah, we have everything from, um, you know, full tropical weather down to like snow in Tasmania. So, um, it varies like we're a big country. Um, but you know, where I am in Melbourne, they say, you know, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes and it will change. Like we have all four seasons in one day, but um, you know, it's it's good. It gets hot. It gets to now. I don't know if you know degrees, but mm-hmm. 
it gets to 45. Like most of the time it's high 30s, but it gets to 45 in the summer sometimes. And then in winter it can drop down to, you know, the negatives to minus one, minus two. Ooh, that's which, rough. Yeah, it, it varies a lot. You said <laughs> – you said you said snow in Tasmania. That sounds like it could be a song like "Rains in Africa." <laughs> I suppose it could. As soon as you said snow in Tasmania, I was like, "Rains in Africa." That's what it could be. We'll bless the snow in Tasmania. Yes, yes, there it is. There it is. We'll get Weezer to cover it. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, let's get into it. What at, at what age did you uh, did you start noticing and realizing that something was off about your mental health? Um, probably when I was, you know, puberty, those sorts of years. I um, you know, I had my brothers in the house, and you know, I just sort of realized that I was different to everyone else, and. I don't think different in a bad way, but I was so down on myself. And, you know, they used to always tell me, oh, there's something, you know, you want attention, you want this, you want that. And I didn't understand that. I'm like, okay, I just want to hang out with people. And, you know, my intentions were very different to what my brothers would say about me. So, you know, I knew there was something going on there. And then, you know, as I grew up, I guess, you know, it. I'm saying you know a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess recently, kind of um, last year, I realised again how depressed I was within myself and I had to sort of, you know, I guess the whole mental health thing is it, you always have to be on top of it. You always need to be reassessing where you are and where your mental state is and do something about it before you slip too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. You know, I've, I've been sober for three years now. Um, not that that's anybody else's problem or any of that, <laughs> but um, I started working on my mental health side by side with my sobriety. And then uh, the one thing I noticed is when I started to backslide is when I wasn't taking care of the certain things that I had to take care of on my mental health or, yeah. or I wasn't as engaged in my, th my counseling or my therapy as I would have been before. Yeah, definitely. And even though I know that I have um, some sort of congenital mental health issues, I know that a lot of external factors have played a part and trying to find where, you know, I can actually have control from within myself and things I just need to deal with from other people is, is really hard as well because it all feels the same. Yeah. And sometimes you can sometimes you can sort it out and other times you need to, you know, work really, really hard at it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What what did what did or does depression look like for you? Because it looks different for everybody else. Yeah, for me, there's a lot of self-loathing, um, non, you know, 
being very unmotivated to do anything, uh, not sleeping, um, probably mood swings, bad moods, anxiety attacks, things like that. Yeah. 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 I can relate to a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's I, um, go ahead. Sorry, and and a lot of chocolate to me. <laughs> chocolate is good. I just ate like a like two big Hershey bars. I get it. <laughs> nice. Almonds with almonds. Nice. You gotta break I, up the chocolate with the almond. Yeah, I've got a um peanut brittle block at the moment. That sounds good. Um, yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. But you know, I when you, when you when you mentioned you know the panic attacks and stuff like that, uh, the panic attacks for me really came when I was like at the deepest points of my depression, like really deep, where it just felt like I couldn't come back from it, and that's when like the panic attacks started happening and stuff like that. Um, one of my big things was like I didn't I didn't eat. You couldn't pay me to eat. I would be so, I would be so hungry. But it's like food doesn't look appealing to me. Yeah. And yeah, so it was, it it was a it was a, a rough bit of time. You you mentioned um, external 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 uh, like um, external assets that kind of like help contribute to that. What were some of those? Um. My childhood wasn't the happiest. My my brothers and I didn't get along. My mum had her own issues. Um, and then my dad, he was, um, he's very different. He's not a normal dad. He's very, very different. And then I was, you know, I left home at 15. I was a bit of a street kid at that point. I then ended up marrying... Oh, not officially marrying, but my ex-husband, he um, he was a severe alcoholic, a gambling addict, and he was quite abusive. And, you know, I, I don't regret that, but it did take a huge toll on me, my confidence, my mental health. And I got my son and postpartum, not that I was ever diagnosed with postpartum depression, but I definitely feel like I had that, like it played a part on my mental health. Um, and then when I was 32, I was not feeling too well and I didn't even know I had this condition, but it's called FND and it's a functional illness. So sits halfway between mental and like it has mental aspects as well as physical aspects. Mm. And I woke up and I'd had a, a um, functional stroke. So no bleed in the brain, no blood clot, but the nerves weren't speaking to my brain. And that was a huge stress. I was paralyzed on half my body. I couldn't speak. I couldn't lift my head up or anything like that. And kind of um, actually trying to fight through that. That was kind of what started my career as well was I, there was so much I could hate about myself at that point in time, but I promised myself, you know, work hard, get better, 
and then you can have what you've always wanted. You can have your career and, you know, give yourself your dreams. So, yeah, those are kind of the major external factors as well as, you know, some sexual abuse along the way, that kind of thing. It makes you feel... I, I have I definitely have PTSD. Mm-hmm. That's been diagnosed. Like yeah. Yeah, that that's completely understandable. And and wow, I'm I'm it's a lot to go through for somebody, for one person. And it definitely is. I've definitely been through more than my share, but the most important thing I guess I wanna say now is I am so happy. Like my my partner at the moment is the most beautiful man. I've been with him for eight years. I'm constantly waiting to see the abusive side. Like he's the only man that hasn't abused me in my life and he hasn't got it in him. He's just the most beautiful person and he's incredible. And my son is just such a joy, such an inspiration to me that, yeah, he's, sorry, he's just stuck his head in the door as I said that. He's so beautiful. Want to say hi? No, he doesn't want to. <laughs> He's like, oh, no. No. <laughs> so that's well, you know, and and that's that's awesome. I understand, like waiting for the bad thing to happen. Um, yeah. You know, when 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 we start when we get into a situation that we've been in before, it's not completely the same but we see a lot of similarities in it we wait for that that shoe to drop we wait for that bad thing to happen and when that bad thing doesn't happen we're like okay well it's going to happen soon and then we start to to uh to self-sabotage and actually it's weird that we were talking about this now my dad and i just had a conversation about this last night completely it's weird it's it's very coincidental i needed to hear it thank you (laughs) but you know um we always wait for that shoe to drop when, when, when we're in a situation that, that feels uncomfortable, as good as it can be for us, it feels uncomfortable and feels too good to be true. Yeah, exactly. You're always looking for the bad, but sometimes, you know, I think that that is what I'm talking about when I say it comes from within yourself. Cause sometimes it's not other people being bad. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with the situation. It's all within ourselves and we're, holding ourselves back in life so much and we're looking for the worst possible thing and applying that and causing it, you know, we're causing this crap to come constantly and it's not, I guess it's not a blame game. It's just one of those things that we're bringing on ourselves and we need to stop doing that to ourselves and, to me, that's mental illness. To me, that is the major, major group. Uh, I can't speak today. It's okay. Um, <laughs> the major factor that ends up um, making our lives hard and keeping us in that mind frame. Yeah. yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I, uh, you know, I, I have friends that come and talk to me and, and they say, oh, you know, it, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I look at them and say, you, you're complicating it too much. It doesn't have to be this hard. 
stop overcomplicating it. And then they respond to stop oversimplifying it. And I'm like, well, it's not oversimplified if you don't complicate it. If we make yep, it easy exactly. and roll with the punches. Exactly. Sometimes you just got to look at things in the most simple way. And a lot of people assume, because I'm always so very happy and, you know, think sparkles a colour, eat something and says it tastes like pink. You know, I'm that sort of person. Yeah. But that's what makes me happy. I have weird little dances and weird things that I do around the house and that's because it, it makes, you know, a day that when I'm not feeling good, it creates happiness for myself. When I create happiness for myself, I'm... I feel better. And when I see, like, when I do something silly and I see my son or my partner laugh and, you know, that's better for me than everyone sitting there quiet and, you know, I'm happy to be seen as a silly one because it makes other people happy as well. I take joy in that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do that from time to time when I start to feel down on myself. And I just started doing it very recently, but, like, I, I have these weird impersonations like voices that I'll do and I'll just pop off at it. And I laugh at myself because if you can't laugh at yourself, you can't laugh at anybody yeah. else. Right. But I think it's so funny, you know, and, and I, I call them different things. Uh, I post a video on TikTok about it and I thought it was just hilarious. But um, those those are the things, some of the things I do when when I get to that point where I'm like, I need a laugh. I need a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah or, exactly. Or my best friend will just message me out of nowhere. One of my three or four best friends will message me out of, out of nowhere with something funny. Like he sent me a Snapchat earlier of him singing. I was like, don't, don't quit your day job. <laughs> and we just, go, he has this, he, he's in love with my sister cause they work together. And so nice. like, he's like, I'm going to marry your sister. And I'm like, you better not. <laughs> weird thing back and forth but it brings yeah. me joy and it's funny it's, it's yeah. enjoyable so what what was the recovery process like for the fnb what was that like for you that was grueling i had to do a lot of um physio like rehab that kind of thing as well as um occupational therapy um I can't remember the other types of therapies, but there was so much therapy, um, physical as well as mental, and just a lot of pushing through myself. Um, well, not myself, I shouldn't say that, with my family. We had to soldier on, and I, I have to give my partner credit. He has... He has such good mental health and he has this really great logic that he can apply to any situation and make it manageable. Like he can reduce things down, like we said before, to the most simple way and makes you just go, huh, okay, I'm, I'm not going to let that bug me. And then he supports me every time it starts to get a little when I have guilt about something and that sort of thing. Like I hold on to a lot of guilt 
And I shouldn't because guilt just destroys a person. So he helps me let that go. That's good. That is awesome. I'm glad that you have him. You always need a good partner in your life to build you up, not tear you down. Oh, it's amazing what the love of one good person can do. Oh, it yeah. makes a huge difference. Absolutely. I, yeah. can agree with, I can agree with that. Occupational therapy. That I, I've gone through occupational therapy, and for me, I know it was very frustrating. Was it frustrating, like very, very frustrating for you? What was that like? Yeah, that was really frustrating. It was, you know, I had to get my hand working again and things like that. So we would make a lot of coffee. They'd try and get me writing, things like that, where I I should be able to do it. But it was so just super annoying, just Little things that just, I guess it was the self-confidence that and anger at myself. I should be able to do this, but I can't. And I can't work out why I can't. And trying to break down that yeah. was very annoying. Yeah. I, I, had, I had traumatic brain injury, so one too many concussions. I was in the Army. I jumped out of one too many planes and smacked my head one too many times. Oh. And... Um, mm when I started going through occupational therapy, they did a lot of hand-eye coordination and I had to smack buttons on the wall. And it was very annoying because my brain wasn't computing that this button just lit up. I got to hit that one before I hit yeah. this one. So it was just, it was very frustrating. And then that moment where it was like, boom, boom, boom. And everything started clicking and making sense. It was like, I'm doing it, man. Did you get to that yeah. point where you're like, I'm doing it. This is awesome. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I am um, in the rehab, physio rehab kind of thing. The best fun was that they would put me in this harness and strap me to this ceiling. Mm -hmm. And I'd just swing there. I'd, I, you know, I had to walk up and down the poles, mm -hmm. but I was strapped to the roof. And they, she'd just say, oh, just have fun. So she'd put on music and then i just like, jump and spin around and that was like a lot of fun that's awesome <laughs> that is pretty awesome so sorry i'm just still getting over covid i apologize it's okay it's all right um so so what was that point that you realized like you have to start working on your mental health and, and get better for you um i'd have to say Probably last year, I I had a really, after coming out of COVID, my family and I had a really bad year. And we had some situations happening. We, because of our, um, our old landlord, there's a whole situation there. But they claimed um, financial hardship. And evicted us, gave us seven days to get out. So we had to sort of pack everything and leave, find somewhere else to go. And we were essentially homeless for a little while, not broke, not on the streets, but we were homeless because we had to move so quickly and we had nowhere to go in the interim. 
So we had to find somewhere to go. That was terrible. And then as soon as we got a place, I found out that I was pregnant and I ended up losing the baby as well. So those sort of six months were an absolute nightmare. But then I guess what switched in my head was my family have been through enough. I need to, I need to sort of be stronger and be someone that they can rely on. Like there's someone I can rely on as well. And even though I had moments earlier and I did fight, you know, I've been fighting for myself for a while. That was kind of the real pivotal moment where I realized how much, how depressed I have been for many, many years mm-hmm. and how much I really, really need to fight for myself. Previously in my, when I had the functional stroke, there was this moment where, sorry, I'm going on a little bit, but. Okay. Is there a um, Yeah, I ended up. Yeah. Sorry, my son left the door open. I was just telling him to shut the okay. door. See, they go like this off camera. It's okay. Um, yeah, when when I had my functional stroke, there was this one day and someone I was in the wheelchair and someone shut the door to the bedroom. I couldn't open the door in the wheelchair without banging it and leaving little scuff marks on the door, that sort of thing. So I was sitting there waiting for them to realize that they shut the door on me. On the back of the door, there was this big mirror and I was staring at myself. I had no hair. My eyes were like black and sunken and I just looked terrible. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, there's so much I can hate about myself right now. So much. And I went, no, don't go there. If you go there, there's no coming back. And I, all I heard was my partner's voice go through my head and I was like, no, what, what do you love about yourself? And that was when I kind of, and I'm sorry for the language here, but when I was kind of like, fuck it, fuck what anyone else thinks, fuck their standards, all of that. And I decided at that point in time I needed to fight for myself as well. I needed to fight to get better. And that was kind of when I promised myself my career, like a present to myself, mm-hmm. was that pivotal moment. And, you know, it's funny what going through trauma can do. It can really light a fire in you yeah. if you want it to. Otherwise, you can just crumble and crumble and turn to alcohol, drugs, yeah. whatever else. Just give up. And I didn't want to give up. You got to get to that fucking point in your life. Yeah. And, you know, especially when it comes to mental health because, you know, and it's sad to say, but there's nobody walking that walk for you. There's nobody that's on that path with you. Sure, there's people that can walk beside you, but there's nobody doing the fucking work. Like you were. Yeah. Right. So you got to like, that's why I advocate for people to get to that fucking point. Like I give up, I surrender. I can't do this. I I have to do this. I, it's not a necessity for me to do it. I have to do this. And if I don't do this, I'm going to 
fall by the wayside or I'm going to fall into addiction. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the moment you give up on yourself is the moment you've lost the battle. And you've got to win the battle, and then eventually you'll win the war. Absolutely, 100%. So what were when you started working on, on your mental health, what were some of the things that you were doing to help improve yourself, your mental health? I've put in place lots of things in my everyday home and with my family that have made the world a difference I've never had before. And these are things like... In the morning if I wake up and I'm feeling just down, being able to say, look, I'm having a bad day, without losing my temper, without anything, without feeling guilty about it, Mm -hmm. just saying, I'm having a bad day, please go easy on me today. And or when I'm having an anxiety attack, being able to say, now I'm having an anxiety attack is huge. And then, oh, sorry, too early in the morning. I need another coffee. It's very um, early. <laughs> and, oh, you know, just I guess communication in general. Communication is a huge thing and being able to safely and feel like I've been heard when I say it is massive. I also got onto really, really good antidepressants that just are incredible. Like they have been so much easier to regulate my emotions mm-hmm. than anything else. And I'm not a huge advocate. They've never really done anything much for me in the past, but these ones have done a huge amount. Like I can feel it and see huge difference. Even my son's like, you know, in these situations where usually you'd be in a bad mood, he's like, you're still nice. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad I'm nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I took antidepressants. I took two different ones and the one made me really numb. And I didn't like that because, yeah. I, I mean, if I want to feel numb, I'll just go drink. Yeah. Right. Um, but then, like, the other one made me really happy all the time. You could have been like, I slaughtered your whole family. And I'd have been like, cool, man. What did you use? Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I didn't want to feel happy all the time. I wanted to be able to feel my emotions and my feelings and be able to, like, you know, peel back the onion, per se. And so I got to that point where I just told my doctor, ah, not, I'm not doing meds. I don't want to do meds. You can't yeah. make me. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you're right. I can't make you. So, yeah, we're not going to put you on any meds. Um, but I'm also not the person that says medication's bad because if it works for you, it works for you. And, yeah. and if, if it's working for you, stick with it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, like I said, I've been on many before for many years and nothing has worked for me in the past. But these ones – I'm not having anxiety attacks. And if I do this so minor that, you know, a good cuddle with, you know, my partner is the best thing that I can do for it. But it's just I'm still feeling 
the stressness. I'm still feeling the emotions and I'm definitely not happy all the time, but I'm able to regulate them, which I don't think I was very good at doing previously because sometimes, I mean, I guess that's what mental health is, regulating your emotions, like overreacting to certain situations or underreacting to others and not knowing what to do with that is really, really difficult. Definitely is. Definitely is. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So what is, what does self-care look like for you now? Now it's knowing my limitations and being able to call it when I start right at the start, rather than pushing myself to breaking point. Um, I, I have, you know, expensive shower gel and things like that that are my special things that I can go have a really nice shower and smell nice. I love smells. I love feeling clean and smelling amazing. So when my hair sort of blows past my face, I get this, like, woof of whatever I've used on it. Mm -hmm. And that, to me is huge i also bought clothes and pajamas that have textures and feels that make me feel good and i want to say how do i put it like i have silk pajamas and wearing that silk makes me feel nice it makes me feel special it makes it, it does a lot for me emotionally and it sounds stupid that a pair of pajamas can do that, but it does. And Or I have a cuddle with one of my boys and I just put in place things that warm my heart. Yeah. And I try very hard not to reach for the chocolate because my waistline doesn't like that. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm a crazy girl. That's no secret there. I don't try and hide the fact that I'm, you know, big. But I, and I don't care. I don't care. I just don't want to be super big. Yeah, I understand. There's nothing, nothing wrong with chocolate here and there. <laughs> I guess the, the other thing that that just reminded me of, I always bagged myself out. And even though I still make jokes about myself, like, you know, if I have to squeeze through on the cruise I just went on, I had mm-hmm. to squeeze through and there were these tables and people had their drinks on the tables, but I couldn't guarantee that my butt wasn't going to hit them. So I'm like, big butt coming through as I was moving past. Yeah. I was making them laugh. I'm like, okay, look out for my butt. I'm sorry, I can't suck it in, can't suck in my butt. Um, it's a joke. Like, mm-hmm. But I don't actually bag myself out, not internally, not externally. I just make jokes. And I think learning to love yourself and learning not to say these, like I was the biggest bully to myself out of anyone. And then I projected that on other people as well. Hmm. And I think that definitely, once I start bagging myself out, I go, okay, there's something wrong there. Yeah. So, yes, I'm big, yes, I'm curvy, but I'm still like a 12-hour Zen because 
I like, I'm awesome. I'm dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, and you have that image of yourself, and that is amazing. Not a lot of people can Not say sleep that. <laughs> Not a lot of people can say that, you know. And that's the thing is we are, we're, one, we're the biggest critics of ourselves. And two, we mm -hmm. destroy ourselves over things that we can't control. I'm super, I'm super short, right? I mean, okay, idealistically, I'm the average height of a man. I'm five, 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 six. But I used to degrade myself to the point where I would make myself feel terrible because I was short or because my hair is thinning out. Like I want, you, have you seen Vikings? Yeah. I want Travis Fimmel's hair where he was, where he was Ragnar, right? Just that the long locks. I will never have that. I know I'll never have that. But that's okay. You know, I just I would destroy myself and beat myself up so much over things that I had no control over that, you know, I got to a point where I said, okay, I have to love myself. And then on top of that, I've had I've heard every name for a short person in the book. So now I just laugh <laughs> at them. Yeah, I'm short as well. I I constantly make jokes about being short, but in fact this is teaching I want to get where it's like I may be short, but there's nothing I can't do except reach the top shelf. <laughs> well, <laughs> when people I love start, it. Yeah, when people start like making fun of, of like me for being short, I'm like, well, idealistically, because I love horror movies, if we were in a horror movie, I would survive. You wouldn't. Yeah. Like, well, what do you exactly. mean? I was like, I was like that you can get picked out in a crowd. I can't. Exactly. And I don't know about you, but for me, when when you're bagging yourself out about these things, such as being short or me being, you know, big, if someone else says something, it then like that creates a chip on your shoulder. You overreact to that other person being like, you know, making a comment that you overreact back. That made no sense. But yeah, you react yeah. badly to that. Even though their comment may have been Oh, can you get that or something? Can you reach that? It's like, oh, of course I can barely reach that and get all proud and pride steps in and, yeah. you know, and you, we can't, like. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I have a friend that, you know, she wouldn't make fun of my height, but like she would, because of my beard, it's pretty big, you know, it, it's almost down to my belly button. And nice. it, it's huge. And so. Like she used to say, you're just face, beard, and feet. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Right. But now I get to that point. I've played Santa Claus at a Christmas party. I was like, that's super cool. Dyed my beard white, dyed my hair white, put <coughs> suit on and everything. And I was like, I'm right at home. So, like, you got, it, it, you know, you, you said earlier it's about self love, but it's also about doing things to improve you know, how you view yourself and how you value yourself. Yeah, exactly. And accepting the things that adjust you, you, yeah. you know, um, like I have freckles. I can't change that. Mm -hmm. And I need to accept that. And I need to accept the way I look and that my hair's curly. It's never going to be straight and things like that that I may not like, but other people can like and I just learn to embrace it. You know, I've got a big butt, so I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace my big butt. Yeah. 
tell people it's coming through. Exactly. I even call it buttzilla sometimes. I'm like, oh, oh like, especially when it gets hurt. I'm like, oh no, my poor buttzilla. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use that one. That's awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. That that is awesome. That is awesome. You know, I got to this point where I'd shaved my beard, and now my beard is like a staple of of my my sobriety. But like yeah. this beard, three years old, right? And people wow. people, say, people say, "Will you ever shave it?" No. Because this is who I am now. People identify me. They could, yeah. if I shave, if I shaved my face, I would look like everybody else. I would be, a, I would look like a twelve-year-old boy. Because I, I have baby face, but if I have the beard, everybody knows the beard. You'd be like that one bearded guy, the one that has really long beard with some gray. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're happy with it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I mean, you know, everybody knocks on the gray. You know, we all we all we all want to search our hair for the gray, but I think it's pretty awesome because it kind of tells a story, and and it's all different textures. So like, I get brown, red, gray, lighter Not brown. It. Yeah, I think it's cool. It, it is cool. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> anyway, so so let let's get in. When when did you decide to start acting or become an actress? When was that turning point for you? Um, that was when I was sitting in front of the mirror. That was definitely the part that where I, I always wanted to, and I did a few things when I was younger, but that, that was the moment I went, you know what, you're really going to try. And I told my partner and he, back when I first met him, I was, he was asking me about my dreams. We were getting to know each other. I'm like, always wanted to be in a movie. That's it. I just, my whole life will be complete if I get to be in a movie. And he's like, well, I'm sure that can happen. I went, who's going to ever put me in a movie? And he he started um, encouraging me even back then. So a lot of it comes from my partner. I have to give him credit for everything. He pushed me. He motivated me. And anyone who's in this industry understands there's so much um, like rejection, there's so much that you need to be, you need to push past mentally, have strength and to keep going. And I was definitely feeling that. I have felt that many times, even a couple of weeks ago, I felt, I felt it. Like you feel it all the time and he's always there to be like, no, you're awesome. You can do this. Push through. Who cares what they think and everything? He just says the right thing. Or the very, very wrong thing that's so wrong that makes me laugh because of how terrible and wrong it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing is, you know, you said to yourself, who would put me in a movie, right? But, I mean, like you were in one of the biggest horror movies of last year. I mean, that's, that's enough. I mean, I, well, yeah, and that was after I, I had to work really hard, but I, now I think, you know, I want to, I just never want to be out of a movie. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I did a movie, it was, at this town hall in Melbourne and I played an angry town 
person that's good at English. And um, it's good at English. I, yeah, I had to be all pissed off. Like they wanted to shut down the town. Be like, why are you shutting down my town? And all angry in the um, audience. And then get up and storm off. And it, it was only like an hour, an hour and a half I was there for. And then afterwards I'm like feeling like a movie star, like a diva. I'm like, yeah, I'm in a movie. And I, I remember saying on the way home, I'm like, even if I never do another one, I did it. I did it. I did a movie. And I didn't care if it was a big role or not. I was like, I did it. And now everything, everything that I do, I, I now I'm just pushing it as far as I can go. But everything I do is an absolute bonus. There's, and I thank my lucky stars. I'm so grateful for every opportunity that it just, it blows me away. It really does. I know people say that all the time, but in my heart of hearts, it's still, I can't believe people actually want to see me on the screen and like want to work with me in this and trust my ideas. And yeah, it, it means the world. It's so, I can't like not be happy when that's my life. Makes me feel so grateful. It feels it feels different when people trust you enough to do something that you've wanted to do. Yeah, and I mean, I don't. I mean, every time I start to try and get an ego about myself, my partner and my son are there to knock me back down. So this isn't ego filled. It's not like I'm great. I'm better than anyone else because that's not true at all. And I do not see that as the truth. And if people are like, oh, yeah, you know, you're you're a diva. I'm like, dude, some days I wake up and I don't even want to be me. Why the hell would I think anyone else wants to be? Like, yeah. So, yeah, there's no ego there. I definitely don't think I'm better than anyone else. It's, it's a job to me. It's a job I want to do. And, yes, I love it. Yes, I'm so grateful. But I treat it like a normal job. If I was to go to an office or be a telemarketer, Mm -hmm. I, if that's what I love to do, then I would feel exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. And but I just happen to love making films and telling stories and doing that, that I treat that like a job. It's a normal job. And I definitely don't think I'm special. Like, I think it's a special opportunity, but I'm not special because I get to do it. There's millions of people in the world that work in this industry. I'm no better than any one of them. I'm no better than anyone who doesn't. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, got to ask you. Yes. What is your, well, normally I end the show on a real somber note. I don't want to do that this time. I want to do it. We'll end it a little bit fun this time. What is your favorite horror movie? Oh, you see, I don't like Ghostface there. Um, <laughs> Ghostface is actually my favorite slasher. Scream is my favorite. Oh, slasher. really? Yeah, my my favorite. I'm I'm a little vintage. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the Halloween series. Halloween, Mike Myers. It just, I love it. But <clears throat> modern day 
my favorite movie of all time has to be Silence of the Lambs, that trilogy. That sort of horror gets me. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. well, it's because it's it's all too real, you know, like it, it could be it could yeah. really happen. You know, we've had people that were cannibals. Were just yeah. Extremely intelligent in history. Um, and I love that little bit of fear that you get from the fact that it could happen. Yeah. 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 A friend a friend of I or a friend of mine and I the other night were watching the nun over over uh the phone. So like she was streaming it on hers and I was and she was streaming it to me and we were watching it together and she was absolutely mortified by the movie. She was like, We gotta put on another movie so that I can go to sleep and be okay. Oh, but, I love that. Yeah, I love I love horror movies. Um and I will have to say, okay, before I say what horror movie absolutely terrified you when you watched it? Oh, uh, my brother. I can't remember exactly which one it was, mm-hmm. um, but my brother, when I was six or so, put on a zombie movie. I think it was like Night of the Living Dead or whatever, and that opening scene terrified me to my core. And I have not been able to watch zombies ever since. They freak me out. I don't do zombies. <laughs> I can respect that. Um, Blair Witch Project was the movie that terrified me. Really? You want to know why? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I grew up and I actually currently live about 20 minutes from Burkittsville, Maryland, where the movie was filmed. Yeah. Yep. So when when the sign popped up and it said "Welcome to Burkittsville," I knew where that sign was. And yeah, I lived just on the other side of that mountain, and it absolutely terrified me to the point where I have an irrational fear of the woods. Like I don't, I don't go into woods at night. Can't pay me enough. And another one that scared me is from your neck of the woods, Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek. Yeah, yes. that that I think terrified every Australian on some level because that's a true story. That guy is real, and um, I mean, it's it's just it's they did such a good job. They kept it so accurate to what actually happened, and that's the scary part is that it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That made that actor that played that played John Jared. He's in a whole bunch of movies, and every single time I'm like Wolf Creek. He's in Wolf Creek, and I've watched a, a few other ones like with with crocodiles and a bunch of them, and I'm like, he's one. He's Australia's like golden child. Well, do you know who he was to us growing up? No, he was the one of the most loved. Him and his ex wife Noni Hazelhurst were. The the kids' favorite, Australia's favorite um, play school hosts. So that's like, <laughs> um, no joke. So Wolf Creek was the first role we've ever seen him in over here that wasn't play school or another show they had, Better Homes and Gardens. Oh, my God. 
So he was so family friendly. He was like kids loved him and he was like everyone sort of grandpa. Next thing he comes out with Wolf Creek and he's playing the psycho. And, I mean, he nailed it. We love him for that. But it it creeped us out. It was really creepy. Yeah. I can. Okay. (laughs) Now, now that you say that, everything makes sense. (laughs) Everything (laughs) makes sense. Yeah. That man is wild. That man is wild. He is. Especially, especially like, and I think my favorite part in the movie, and it's really cliche, it'll be cliche, is where, where the younger guy is like, he's like trying to stab him with the knife and he's like, that's not a knife. He grabs the booby knife. He's like, this is a knife. Yeah. Like, he did Crocodile Dundee. Oh my God. <laughs> See, I always want to finish that with the Simpsons. You know, that's not a knife. This is a knife. Oh, that's not a knife. That's a spoon. Oh, I see you've played Knifey Spoonie before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, what's your favorite comedy movie? Oh, that's that's tricky. I don't know. I, I love comedy. Um, I mean, I love Simpsons. That's not a movie. And, well, it is, but I'm not talking about the movie. I love the series. Um. Oh, I don't know. I love the sausage party. That's just wrong in so many ways that it's so right. Um, anything with Robin Williams. Anything with Robin Williams. He's fantastic. I don't, I don't know my exact favorite. That's just tricky. I just love so many of them. Will, yeah. I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan, so anything Will Ferrell with the exception <laughs> Of Stranger Than Fiction. Everything else. I love it. Well, he did a Sherlock Holmes movie, and that was terrible, too. But the rest of them, aside from those two, are great. I love Will yeah. Ferrell. Will Ferrell Absolutely. is like my spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah He's one. great. Yes, yes. All right. So, um, before we end the show... Um, what are some words of advice that you would give to somebody that's struggling through, you know, mental, a mental health crisis, or they're, they're looking to, to get out of that mental health crisis and, and start working on themselves? What would you give to them? I think the most important thing is surrounding yourself with, I mean, besides getting help, of course, and speaking up, but surrounding yourself with people who love you and encourage you and build you up. The moment that you start letting toxic people into your life, people who just want to drag you down, is the moment that you're losing your battle. And you may care about these people. You may love these people. They may be close to you. They're not there making your day easier on yourself. Then they're not worth having there. And I guess learning that is really difficult. And it's really hard to do. It's a lot of heartbreak, but it's worth it in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. All righty. And last bit, where can we find you um, for social media? If there's anybody that want to look you up. <laughs> so I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, um, IMDB, and I have my website. So. You can look up Mizzy.atwood on most of the socials. 
Um, and you should find me. Same with IMDb, and then my website is www.mezzystudios.com.au. Yeah, no, just .com. I can only remember my own website now. <laughs> I still need that coffee. <laughs> hey, you know, it's okay. You'll be able to get your coffee here in a minute, all right? No, it's all good. <laughs> all right, and and, and Mezzy, I want to thank you for, for being on here and sharing your story and just, you know, bullshitting with me a little bit. I, I had I had a good time. I had a blast. I had a great time as well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And <laughs> and uh, for everybody, short little outro, if you guys want to support the channel, uh, I have Patreon, patreon.com forward slash sitting with Sean. Uh, we got three tiers set up. I don't expect anybody to go do it, but if you do, it'll help get me microphone, chair, whatever. We'll figure it out. But um. <laughs> Also, this episode was brought to you by the Anti-Social Network. Great group of podcasters. We're getting together talking everything from music, movies, uh, mental health, and wrestling. So um, check it out. And uh, once again, Mezzi, thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with me. And everybody, everybody, thank you for hanging out with us and sitting and listening to to Mezzi's story and and, uh, interacting with us. So I love every single one of you guys and I appreciate all your support. Thank you. And until next time, much love.